Hi there. Welcome to Mental Health Professionals Network podcast series. MHPN's aim is to promote and celebrate interdisciplinary, collaborative mental health care. Hi, and welcome to MHPN Presents A Conversation About. My name is Dr. Nicole Hyatt, and I'm a psychologist and the founder and executive director of COPE, based in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm delighted to be joined by Natasha Lindros, a clinical psychologist and perinatal specialist. Hi, Natasha. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Nicole. It's great to be here. So, look, today we're really going to talk about perinatal mental health and really understand and delve into it a little bit further and give our listeners a really good understanding about what it is about this context or this life stage that makes it so unique, particularly for those working in the field. Look, a really good place to start, obviously something I'm often asked about is, well, what is perinatal mental health and how do we define that period of life? So how do you define it, Natasha? That's such a good question. Um, And I, I think I could probably answer it in so many different ways. For me, Perinatal mental health is about the health and well-being of not just an individual but the entire family unit and when they are traversing the perinatal context. Now, again, that's something that has a lot of different definitions in terms of what is perinatal. I guess I would consider it sort of anything to do with with the journey, even if at the start when you're starting to think about becoming a parent, it doesn't have to be that you are a parent. And, And it can sort of traverse through traditionally the first 12 months postnatally. But I would say from my clinical practice that many issues come up, you know, even in the sort of two, three, four years postpartum. Um, so it's quite a broad definition in my clinical experience, I would say. Yes, for sure. And look, across each of those different, you know, that's period of time. So you're beginning it right back at when you might be thinking about or planning to have a family. And then obviously things, lots of things can surface or not go to plan in that journey to becoming a parent. So even once you've made the decision, we know that sometimes people then struggle with infertility, for example, Then we have pregnancy and we know that this is a vulnerable time and a time with mental health problems existing and then birth and then the postnatal period are filled with their own challenges. So at each of those different stages, would you say you see more presentations or do you find it pretty much across the board or people coming back or things that have affected them early but getting help later? Where do you see that in, in the client presentations that you see? Oh, I'd say that I don't really know that sort of one stands out more than the other. I think probably a bit of that would depend on on your context of where you're working. So, you know, for me, I probably work largely in the antenatal period. But even when I'm working in the postnatal period, you know, we're often working with people who are identifying or reflecting on issues that might have come up through their journey around fertility. And, and, and they could even be talking about and bringing up and sharing experiences of previous births or losses as well. So, you know, it's kind of such an intermixed and interconnected period, which is what I love about it. You know, you don't, you never, I've been in the field for, I think it's about 15 or so years now. And on paper, you know, if I receive a referral, it might seem like, oh, this is a referral I've had before. But every single person, every single family that I work with, there's always individual nuances and individual individual differences to their story, you know, their unique story. So, yeah, I guess I'd find that sort of being really specific about a period that's sort of presenting the most is um, is difficult to say because it's really complex. Yes, <laughs> to, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just really interested as a clinician working in the field right now, do you think the number of presentations that you're seeing is increasing or has it stayed the same? 
was there any impact of COVID? What what are you seeing a greater rate of clinical pre- or you know perinatal mental health presentations? Yeah, look, I think it's an interesting question in the immediate sort of context. It's a difficult question to answer because I think one of the factors that comes up so much, and it's across all mental health conditions, I suppose, is you know how much does stigma or um, shame, I think particularly in the perinatal context, uh, the issue of of shame and kind of the uh, ability to feel comfortable and be in an environment where you can speak freely about what your experience is. I think that's really shifting and changing. I think um, in the time I've been in the field, we've seen a lot of, you know, really significant kind of efforts to try and shift some of that stigma and shame that relates to perinatal mental health. But I do think, you know, that that still is very present. I think social media has probably had in my in my generational time, you know, we've seen such a huge change in that. And I think that that can kind of go both ways. So sometimes we see people sharing more openly and it's a platform for people to be able to, to share. On the other hand, I think some of the imaging that can get images that can get put forward of what motherhood should look like or um, should feel like, you know, can be really conflicting to the reality. So I think that affects what we see in terms of how present it is now or not. And I think the other big factor that's really relevant to us talking in today's context is that I would say COVID has has had a dramatic effect on our our parents um, and people traversing the perinatal field. Mm, in what in what way? Well, I think you know, pre-COVID, um, as a clinician, we would often be looking at the psychosocial factors around a family unit, um, and we would be you know really wanting to consider how interconnected is the family unit with you know their social network, their health professional network, those various sort of factors. And through COVID, a lot of those really significant biopsychosocial factors they've been, it's sort of almost like they're on steroids, you know, they've been exacerbated so much more. So I think it has been a really difficult time. You know, there've been a lot of mums that I've spoken to who have sat in the maternity unit completely alone, you know, or their partner was able to come in for two hours and then they had to leave. I've spoken to parents whose children hadn't met other children for months and months at a time through through COVID. And now we're seeing those little bubs um, at, you know, two years old, sort of not with the same level of social skills or, or um, experiences to draw on. Um, so, yeah, I think that as an example of those things, there's plenty more I could keep talking about, I yeah. guess, in terms of yeah. those factors. But, yeah, I th- definitely think that we've seen the impact of that. I, and I would also sort of add that actually we're seeing it or I'm hearing about it probably more now than even in the height of all of the lockdowns and, and the time when you know, we were first exposed to, to mm. COVID. Yes, it was interesting. We certainly heard more about people who were, I think those who already had predisposed to anxiety, I think those those really elevated in the COVID experience from what we're aware of, but also, as you say, the social support networks, which are such important protective factors here, were sort of disabled because we couldn't have access to those supports. And I, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's really interesting that you say we're going to see these long-term impacts for some time into the future, I believe, as well. Yeah, definitely. It seems, it certainly seems to be the case. It certainly seems to be the case now. The longer term effects of that crucial time for those babies that, you know, have been born and raised through, through this period of COVID, you know, it's, it's their 
part of, it's not obviously only, but part of their crucial brain development phase, you know, when they're laying a lot of uh, neurological foundations and they're learning so much about the cues, you know, it's really hard to read a person's face and understand what different facial expressions are when you're mostly seeing faces in masks, for example. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we really can't underestimate that impact. Now, you mentioned there the psychosocial factors and in perinatal mental health, we often like to talk about the biopsychosocial model, which sounds like a big mouthful, but uh, (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about, you know, why this is particularly relevant in the perinatal context? Yeah, look, I think, you know, many people who are listening would identify that in mental health, the biopsychosocial model is is such a great foundation to, you know, start with or draw on um, in terms of conceptualising and understanding what's happening and what might be interplaying or interconnecting for, for a person. I think in the perinatal context, the reason it's so helpful as, as a concept and as a way to sort of formulate and frame our assessment process and also our treatment process, that it's really inclusive of the myriad of factors that can be interconnecting um, and the different factors that can be interconnecting for each individual within the family context. So, you know, if you're looking at, for example, the psychological factors for the mother, we also really want to consider what are the psychological factors for the infant that could be, you know, interplaying in here and the partner and, you know, potentially other children within the family unit and the mother-in-law and, you know, you can keep on kind of going out. And when you think about all of that interconnectedness, it's very rich in terms of um, informing you as a clinician and I find also it's it's really rich in um, helping build the reflective process or the understanding for the person who's experiencing the perinatal mental health issue. Um, if they can really understand, you know, I found that to be really powerful as a tool for communicating with, with families. I'm a terrible drawer, but sometimes I really like to get a whiteboard out and, and kind of put all of that up up on a board and and think about these different factors and it can be really helpful then for someone to sort of sit back and and look at that and and understand more about why they're feeling the way they're feeling. You know, it really helps to sort of put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I can imagine that would be really helpful for them after the session as well, just giving them a greater context to then be aware of when they go back to their lives and how the different factors around them are really continually interplaying and affecting each other and ultimately potentially impacting on their own well-being. Yeah, yeah, I think it's such a great thing to have um, something that works outside the session to continue, you know, building that insight and that reflective capacity and function of the person or the family unit. It's really powerful then. Yeah, no, I can see why it's so particularly relevant, particularly in this space. I think there is a growing interest in perinatal mental health. We've even talked before, Natasha, about how even within the field of perinatal mental health, there is becoming specialties within there, like whether you're specialising in birth trauma or um, perinatal loss or postpartum rage, you know, there's beginning to be all these unique areas of specialisation within the perinatal field as as it sort of grows in and people are understanding its complexity, people are then really delving in and specialising because it's such a specialist area. What do you think are some of the challenges for clinicians working in this space? Oh, yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it, how much it's expanding and growing, um, how, how quickly, you know, we're really seeing, um, I think, 
this massive momentum, which is so exciting, you know, for you, know, for you and I that have been sort of in this field for a long time. It's really cool to see so many of these different things that we've thought of in the past. Of like, oh, that's another area we've got, you know, it'd be really good to get more knowledge and more understanding of, of that. So that's, I think that's brilliant just to see and, and, and witness that happening. It's an exciting time for the field. Uh, in terms of your question about challenges, I mean, I think... I think one of the things for me personally that's been really interesting is is to be going through my own perinatal journey as a parent while supporting parents through their journey. You know, I imagine if, if we were to have had this conversation 15 years back before I was a parent, it would have been an interesting sort of difference to, the, to this conversation. You know, and I think not only just as a parent, being a parent, but also obviously all of us have been parented in whatever way we've we've been parented. So, you know, how I might have talked about that 15 years ago or 30 years ago even would be so different to how I would talk about it now. And I think one of the things that's really shifted that for me is you know, it's, a, it's a really incredible experience to sit with all these various families that I've had the I was going to say the pleasure, but just like the honour, actually, of, of sitting with these people and hearing, you know, so so raw and vulnerable what, what gets shared. And that has really affected my own experience of, of parenting and understanding my own, how I was parented. So I'm often really grateful, you know, in my own moment of having a an interaction with my daughter and I'm sort of thinking, oh, how am I handling this? And I have, you know, all these experiences and, and sharings of all these other mums and fathers and people that I've worked with kind of in that moment. I feel like that's really a blessing to my own parenting because um, it really helps normalise some of the challenges that, that I can go through as well. Very understandable. And I suppose also if you've experienced your own challenges in your perinatal journey, that must sometimes bring up, for example, if you'd experienced your own loss of a child or um, birth trauma, for example, if you were providing treatment and therapy for someone around that emerging issue, that must be really challenging as a therapist and working in this field. Yeah, look, I think, um, I guess like other, you know, in, in when you're working in the mental health field altogether, um, there can be various sort of transference or counter-transference sort of issues that you can encounter. And I think having your own uh, skill set of, of how you deal and cope with that is really important. And, you know, the age-old thing of ensuring that you're practising good self-care. Yeah, you know, I would personally say that sort of more than ever in this particular context, especially if you have been a parent or wanted to be a parent or you, know, you, you have your own story around parenting, then I think that sort of thing is really crucial to develop self-reflective and, and um, you know, sort of good practice or skill sets for how you manage that obviously while you're with somebody, but also, you know, after a day of work like that, you know, how, how you're going to process and manage that. So I think it is a really crucial element. I definitely would say when I'm playing a role of a supervisor in, in my work, this is kind of a fairly recurring conversation that will come up in the supervision context for developing perinatal clinicians is they're mm -hmm. often wondering how to traverse some of these issues and very important question, I think, that you've raised there. Yeah, you know, going forward, what do you think are probably some of the, the biggest challenges for clinicians who are in this space? Oh, I think right now probably the hot topic is uh, managing referrals and the overwhelm of, of need. That's probably something that I'm hearing a lot about. I spoke to a really good colleague, a good friend of mine recently and perinatal psychiatrist and you know, at the moment, he's completely full. He can't, he said, I need another one of myself, um, you know, to be able to manage. And it's really hard to 
turn away or, or close your books because um, you know we know how great the need is for the people that are contacting us or the referrals that we're receiving and so that's really challenging to not be able to take it all on. Do you think there's been an increase in that rate of referral or is there just not enough clinicians in the field who are really having this expertise? I think that might be the perfect storm Nicole at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we do have it seems a really busy period in terms of need um, and I don't think you know well obviously none of us could predict the impact of COVID at the beginning but I don't think we have a big enough workforce of skilled clinicians or people with the um, insight and understanding of the perinatal context specifically to be able to support the level of need. Yeah I'm really interested to understand I mean we've talked before about if you were a, a client you were struggling at some point in your perinatal journey and you went and saw someone who didn't quite get it for whatever reason. Do you, do you have people who you've seen who haven't been satisfied with where they've sought treatment from before and, and what are the reasons for that? Uh, yeah, I guess I could say for sure um, I've had this conversation before with, with people that I've met. I think in terms of the reason it is just feeling an ability to feel related to and understood. I think you'll hear many parents say that no one could prepare them enough for what parenthood is like you know they can read all the books in the world and they can have all of their friends share their birthing experience or their um their own experience of parenthood but until the person's actually traversed it themselves it's difficult to really feel understood about what it's all <laughs> what it's all about and I think you don't have to be a parent to, to be able to understand it. And obviously everybody's experience is different anyway, but I think having a good understanding of what can be involved in the perinatal context, you know, if you don't understand what can go on in the birth suite, for example, then it can be hard to relate to somebody who, who has no concept of, of what that could be like. So going forward, what do you see for this, this field in the future? What does the future look like for perinatal mental health? What does it need? Where are the gaps? And what would you like to see for the future of perinatal mental health to support parents at this vulnerable life stage? <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> um, no, look, I think it's actually, I think it's really positive. It's a really exciting time for our field. There's so much great knowledge and so much amazing experience out there. So I think what the field needs is a really collaborative and interactive kind of approach. You know, so we were talking before about those specialty areas developing. So that's really exciting. You know, it's really great that, that somebody, uh, or not somebody, but, you know, areas of particular interest are really getting expanded and well-researched and well-developed. What needs to happen from that is that then it needs to be shared and interconnected um, and, and we need good accessibility for further education and building our own skill set as clinicians. And I think, you know, certainly standing back and looking at perinatal mental health from a, you know, a global view, I think Australia is certainly today is one of the, definitely one of the leaders in perinatal mental health. You know, we're the only country that has really adopted universal routine screening to the point that we have, you know, we're a big advocate for national guidelines and making sure we're keeping everything up to date with best practice. And, you know, we're working in an ever-changing environment with technology, how we connect with our parents and how we educate our health professionals. It is a growing and evolving space, isn't it? And, you know, there's lots of excitement and lots of opportunities there. And it's, it's really giving an opportunity to integrate innovation with best practice and 
make sure we're supporting health professionals in the best way that we can. Yeah, look, my kids are starting to give you a hint that I'm pretty old and, and stuck in my ways with technology, but I am really seeing, I've been resistant for so long to, you know, embracing it, but gosh, it makes things, you know, everything's at your fingertips now. So, you know, that's, it's really exciting that we can have all this knowledge and, and yes, as you're right, you know, across the globe, it's, it's easy now to sort of get your hands on a, a recent paper that's been released in the UK or something that's happened, you know, over in the States. It's really amazing that all of that is so accessible. And similarly, I suppose um, those in our care are also getting their information from everywhere. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> although that can have great advantages, as we know, it can also um, come with its own pitfalls when people are reading and comparing themselves and not necessarily always accessing evidence-based information. So it's really important that we're there to continue delivering them with best practice information as clinicians in the field along the journey because there is a lot of room for misinterpretation or not getting quality information. Yeah, I think that's a um, that's a really good point, and I definitely would say I, I see that. Um, you know, sometimes someone might come in after a night of googling, you know, while they were up breastfeeding and or looking for a sleep and settling solution and, and just feeling so overwhelmed with the amount of um, information and options that they've been that they've come across. So that's another sort of thing, I suppose, to sort of come back to one of your other questions earlier on about you know as a clinician, what we can do and how we, you know, I think being really well informed and helping guide the families that we're working with on what's good information and where to go when is, is another really useful thing. Excellent. Well, I think that's been a fantastic conversation today, Natasha. You know, it's really highlighted, I hope it's certainly for me, re-highlights and I'm hopefully also for our listeners today, just how complex the perinatal context actually is. And, you know, that It is an exciting field to be getting into. It's an ever-growing field and it's just becoming more and more specialised. And I think with recent world events and life events and uh, the continuing changing world that we're always living in, there is no shortage of the need for clinicians um, who are interested to grow and develop into this amazing and very, very rewarding space. So thanks for joining us on this episode of MHPN Presents, a conversation about perinatal mental health. You've been listening to me, Dr. Nicole Hyatt. And me, Natasha Lindros. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. We hope that you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. I always value our conversations, Natasha. But this one, as always, has been why we've hopefully encouraged our listeners today to pursue further knowledge, education and training in this very specialised but very rewarding area. If you would like to access any information about COPE and all the training resources, and Natasha and I have just completed developing a specialist training course for mental health providers who want to gain expertise in perinatal mental health, It's been three years in development, but it's a great starting platform and there's some other great learning courses out there as well. But you can also find information about this course and others on the landing page. And also there is Natasha and my own biography and links to a feedback survey. MHP and of course, values your feedback greatly. So please follow the link and let us know whether you found this episode helpful. Provide any comments and suggestions about how MHPN can better meet your needs and also you can provide there a star rating. So stay tuned for other episodes in the series of conversation about where we'll continue discussing perinatal mental health. Also be on the lookout for the upcoming episode in the first person where I'm going to be chatting with Ariane Beeston about her personal experience of perinatal mental health. Thank you very much for your commitment and engagement with our interdisciplinary person-centred mental health care. It's goodbye. From me, Natasha. And from me, Nicole. 
Visit mhpn.org.au to find out more about our online professional program, including podcasts, webinars, as well as our face-to-face interdisciplinary mental health networks across Australia. 